Open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9 today. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Today there are some of us in this room or, or who's listening or watching online who, who find themselves feeling a little less than adequate or worthy of God to do something in their life. Some people may feel that I'm just not good enough. I can't measure up. I don't have the abilities that other people have. I can't teach. I can't sing. As a matter of fact, when I sing, my, my spouse is elbowing me, asking me to quit. And maybe you just feel like there's not much you can do. Well, you've come to the right church on the right day because i got good news for you. There's a story in the Old Testament that I just absolutely love. It's probably, of all the Old Testament stories, one of my absolute favorites. It's 2 Samuel chapter 9. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, Hold on. Hold on it's coming. I'm going to need your help today to preach this message. God has really laid this on my heart and just bubbled me over this morning with the worship. And D.L. Moody, I think, said it best about grace. Grace means undeserved kindness. Grace is when we receive something we don't deserve and we've done nothing to earn it. That's grace. And today we find in 2 Samuel chapter 9 a man by the name of David that we sing about. He was a king. And this king, he had to go through a lot of turmoil to get into the position he was at. The former king wanted to kill him. As a matter of fact, David had an opportunity to take him out at one point and kill him instead. And David said, no, he is God's anointed. He is the king. I will not bring harm to him. And he actually, that day... As Saul was speaking to David, Saul was the, uh, the king and David was the one that God was going to make king. Saul asked David, please do not cut off my family from the throne, from the blessings of the throne. Saul had a young, young son and his name was Jonathan. Jonathan and David became really, really good friends. Jonathan was like a brother. Jonathan was like the best of best friends for David. Before David became king, Jonathan died, was killed, as well as Saul. After the king was killed and his son was killed, there was this turmoil within, within the nation on who's going to be king. And when Saul died and things went awry in 2 Samuel chapter 4, there's this one little verse that sets us up for chapter 9, a couple of verses here. In chapter 4, verse 4, Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Somebody say Mephibosheth. Don't you want to name your dog Mephibosheth? Whoo, what a name, Mephibosheth. But the story goes here that at the age of five... 
When Saul and Jonathan died, his nurse grabbed him and took off running. Why? Because during this time, if you're the king and something happens to you, and someone else comes into power, typically what they're going to do is come after every one of your relatives and take them out because they have the right to the throne. So they're going to kill everybody in your family. So that nurse grabbed up Mephibosheth and took off running. And in her haste, she must have dropped him. I would probably say he probably broke his legs or his ankles or something happened to his feet. Both of them. We don't hear anything else about this guy by the name of Mephibosheth until we get to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. David did not have to remember this this pact he made in 1 Samuel chapter 24 when he told Saul that he would remember and he would make sure that he takes care of his descendants. David could have forgotten all about it and just moved on with his life. But he was a man of honor, a man of his word. And he loved Jonathan. And when he hears that there is this little boy who was the son of Jonathan, I am certain David's ears perked up. Really? Who is this? Where is he at? I want us to look at Mephibosheth just for a few moments because there are some things here Whoo, this is going to get good. Hold on to your seat, Mr. Merck, back there. You may, you may be on till, for a ride here in a second. Here we go. Mephibosheth, I want us to read verses 3 through 5 together. The king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of a male in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of a male from Lodabar. See, here's what is really interesting. David is a king and he is in the king's house. Mephibosheth is a crippled boy living in a place called Lodabar. Can I tell you about Lodabar? Lodabar is translated a place of nothing. It was a place in a valley that did not even have a a place to to really plant corn or even have a flock of, of sheep. It was a place of nothing. Desolation is where Mephibosheth lived. There may be somebody today living in that place, feeling, I can't do it, I can't make it, this is too much. I am in the place of nothing, I am nothing, and there's no way out. But can I tell you something? There was a king. There was a king that said, go get him. Go get him out of Lodabar and bring him to my house. And let me tell you, oh, this is what I like. You've got to write this down. His blessing was not due to his actions or his circumstances. It didn't matter whether he was crippled or not. David didn't care. He didn't care whether he was in Lodabar or Jerusalem. Here is what David cared about. 
that he had a blood relationship with his father Jonathan, who was the son of Saul. And there was a connection to a king. That's why he wanted him to come. That's why he sent for Mephibosheth. Somebody praise the Lord today. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for grace and undeserved kindness. Here's Mephibosheth, crippled in a place of nothing. And there comes a knock at the door. Can you imagine? Who is it? They're looking out the windows because he knows that it could be someone with a sword to take him out. Because he's the last relative of Saul who was king. But instead, instead of a sword on the other side of that door, there was grace. There's a message from the king. What is it? The king requests your presence in his palace. Are you sure you're at the right house? Yes, we're at the right house. You're Mephibosheth, correct? Yeah, I see you're crippled in both feet, right? Yes, sir. The king requests your presence in his palace. What do you think was going through the mind of Mephibosheth? What's going to happen to me? Are they going to kill me there in the palace? Or what am I to do? Can you imagine the servant saying, Get your stuff, all of it. Pack it all up. Get your son. Pack it all up. You're coming to the palace where the king is at. Come on, Mephibosheth, let's go. Sixty miles from here in the place of nothing is a king's palace. And he's requesting your presence to be right there. Mephibosheth just packs it up. And they go on their way. Here's the incredible thing. I think Mephibosheth was completely clueless about what was going to happen. I think he was unaware of the coming blessing in his life. How do I know that? Because let's look at verses 6 through 8. Verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. That means he was just laid out, people, like this on his face, just laying before the king. Oh, and listen. And David said to Mephibosheth, David said to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, here is your servant, is what Mephibosheth said. And David said to him, do not fear. Do not be afraid. You understand why David began with that? He was afraid he was about to die. And David says, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you. For the sake of your father Jonathan. See, it wasn't based on that he was a cripple. It wasn't based that he lived in a place called Lodabar. It was based that he, on a blood relationship to his father. He was receiving grace because of blood, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't know it was coming. But there it was. Mephibosheth was taken from the valley. A place of zero. Mm in which he dwelt and he brought all of his stuff to a city on a hill, to the king's city, the king's house, to the king's table. Mephibosheth, who thought his life was 
just simply going to be one of a crippled boy. Having to have others provide for him. Probably felt like he wasn't much of anything. He had a past that could get him killed. But yet there was the king saying, Don't, Do not fear, Mephibosheth, for I will show you kindness today. If we were to interview Mephibosheth, I can only imagine what he might say. David said to him in verse 7, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dog like me? Mephibosheth felt like he was a dog. He was worthless and useless and he's trying to figure out how, why would you even consider someone like me to eat at your table? It was because of grace. It does not matter what's happened in your life, where you are, or, or, or how useless you may feel. Can I tell you something? There's room at the table in the king's house for you. And the king has issued an invitation He has paid the price. He wants you there. What will you do? I think if we were to interview Mephibosheth, I think this is what he would say today. He would say, His grace has given me a new dwelling place. Let's stop there for a second. His grace has given me a new dwelling place. I want you to think about this. He was in this little old house probably. Not much to show. And one day he wakes up. And he leaves that simply out of an invitation from the king. Who says, I want to give you something just out of kindness. Undeserved kindness and grace. And so he gets up and he goes to this new dwelling place. And when he gets there, he finds a restored relationship Something where he was afraid to even go around the king or go around people who may know who he was. But yet the relationship got stored into the kingly relationship again. And there was fellowship with the king one more time. There was fellowship that he was not experiencing. That restoration had come. That dwelling place was offered. It was there. Can I tell you, all other religions in the world has man trying to get to God. It's only through Jesus Christ that God came to man so that man could have that free gift of grace. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not because you look good, smell good, or dress good. It's because of God's grace that you're going to heaven. No other reason. It don't matter how much you read this, how long you pray. If you don't have Jesus, you won't make it to the king's place. It takes Jesus. He left heaven and came to earth. He left the king's house, the king's palace, and came to a place of nothing filled with sin and disgust and disease and and things that we just shake our head and go, this is terrible and there's evil. And he came to this place to say, I want to extend to you undeserved kindness. Not because you look good, smell good, or dress good. Talk good, read good, pray good. But just simply because I love you. 
See, and when that happens, there is a blood connection. See, Jesus had to shed His blood so there would be a connection for us to be able to go to heaven. It's not by works that we are saved. It's through faith. It's through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. Mephibosheth was a man who understood undeserved kindness in a way we may never understand. Benjamin Warfield said, Grace is free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserved. Can I tell you something? There's been times when it's, it's been said that Jesus is like a life preserver. You're out there and you're drowning and Jesus is your life preserver. You grab a hold of to survive. But let me take it farther, Mr. Troy. I hope you like this. We are not drowning. We're already drowned. We're dead. We're floating or in the bottom of the lake. And Jesus comes along and says, Let me bring you back to life. That's what Jesus does. He's not my rescuer. He is my life giver. He is the grace extender. He is the one that gives us that which we need to get to heaven. To be in the king's palace, sitting at the king's table, eating of the king's food even though we don't deserve it. It's called grace. Ask your neighbor, do you have it? Oh, come on now. Help me out. Ask your neighbor, do you got it? Let me tell you something. I got it. I see this wheelchair and I was thinking about this thing all morning long. We have a couple here in case any of you ever need to borrow one, by the way. Maybe this story resonates with me because I was born crippled. And the doctor said I would never walk. Ha 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 ha. Then when I walked, they said I'd never run. Then they said I'd never jump. But praise God, I can do it all. <laughs> now, I may not be able to do it as fast as my son, but you know, or as high as he does. But I can still run. I can jump. Never been able to stand on my tippy toes. So maybe this story resonates with me a little bit more because I understand the rejection of being different physically. The feeling of being an outcast. Being treated like there's some kind of disease you're going to be giving to other people if they're around you. Like people are afraid it's catchy or something. But I can't imagine Mephibosheth crippled in both feet. They didn't have wheelchairs back then. He probably had to use crutches Somebody had to help him in. His feet were probably twisted. Here's what I love. Is the king would sit down to eat with all of his family and there'd be a spot open. That spot's for Mephibosheth. And the king would go, nope, we're not going to eat. Until he gets here. When Mephibosheth shows up, then we shall all begin to eat and celebrate. And so soon, maybe you would hear this clump, scrape, clump, scrape, coming down the hall. Or maybe somebody bringing in Mephibosheth, however he got there. But soon he would sit down at the table with the king. And they'd give him food. And then the king would say, let's eat. 
Let me tell you something. You may think you're nothing. You may think that you don't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. But God's grace is sufficient to overcome anything you've ever done, anything everybody, anybody has ever said to you, no matter how you feel like you have been defined in your life. What your daddy has said, your mama has said, your friends have said, what they say at school, no matter what they do to define you, let me tell you God's definition of you. I love you so much I'll die for you. I will leave the king's palace and come to a place called earth, filled with sin, a place of nothing, so that you can be in the king's palace. That's what God has said about you. He has said that you're chosen, you're royal, you're holy. And it's not because you deserve it. It's because of grace. Mephibosheth received grace that day that is unequivocal to anything else. Let's read verse 9. Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. Hold on. He restored stuff to him. He didn't just didn't invite him into his house. He said, let me give you back what was once your grandfather's. And, and he told, he, he was saying, to Ziba, you and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Do you see what's happening? David just didn't bring him and say, okay, Mephibosheth, just do your best. It's now up to you. No, the king said... Let me send some servants. Oh, well, hold on a second. Woo! God's got some servants called angels that's wanting to come and do some cultivating for you in your life. They'll bring to you what you need, no matter how you're hurting, no matter what the mess is going on, no matter how short you are on the bills, no matter how short you are in your life. There are some angels that God has said, you get up, you get ready. We need to go minister to Him. There are angels ready to minister to you today. David says to Ziba, you're going to go and you're going to cultivate the land. You're going to get it together and you're going to give it to Him. And, and you know what? It doesn't stop there. He's still going to eat in my house. No matter how much you bring in, He's still eating in my house. That doesn't change a thing. Whew. I told you all to fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> I'm just enjoying preaching today. All right. Verse 11, Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord and king commands his servant, so your servant will do. Ziba didn't say, Now hold on a second, king. This doesn't seem fair. We're going to do all the work and give it away? Ziba said, Okay, if that's what you say, king, that's what we shall do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Underline that if you've got a pen. Mark that. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Do you understand? He didn't deserve it. He had no rights to be there. He should have been killed. But yet the king treated him like a son. The Word of God says in Romans that we become children of God when we accept Jesus Christ. When we know Him as our Lord and Savior, we are a child of God. We can call Him Abba, Father. We are adopted in to eat at His table. Not just my table. Not just at, at, at McDonald's or Burger King or, or wherever you like to go to eat. He wants us eating at His table, from His table. Not just when we get to heaven, but here on earth, ladies and gentlemen. 
gentlemen, it's not just about a ticket getting into heaven. It's about experiencing some heaven here on earth. He wants to bless us because He loves us. He is the King. We are His kid. And He wants us to eat from His table. He's got angels that will minister to us. And we've got to grab hold of this grace that He's given to us. Ooh, let's just keep reading. Verse 12, Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. See, it didn't just hit Mephibosheth, it was extended to his son Micah. Can I tell you today that God's grace isn't just sufficient for your grandfather or you, it's sufficient for your sons and your grandsons, your children, your grandchildren, their friends. God's grace is sufficient for all of it and the invitation is open to everyone. Verse 13, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. Mephibosheth was a man who was married. He did get married. There was a time when I was crippled and I thought there ain't going to be no girl in this world who would ever care for someone like me. I'm a cripple. Because that's what people made me think. That I'm, ooh, stay away from him. Thanks be unto God, he blinded Jane's eyes one day. My wife has never treated me as a cripple. She's never looked down upon me because of what I can or cannot do with my feet. She has loved me for who I am. And my God has loved me regardless of what I've done. No matter the mistakes I've made. No matter how much I feel like I'm useless and I just deserve to be in a wheelchair. God doesn't say you're not worthy to be in my family. God says because you're not worthy, I want you in my family. That's grace, ladies and gentlemen. He wants us to eat at the king's table. And that's exactly what King David did with Mephibosheth. Because of that blood relationship, it changed his residency and his fellowship. Let me tell you today, because of that blood relationship of Jesus Christ, it can change your residency and your fellowship with God. Because there is a time that there was close fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden when everything was perfect. But then it got broken because of sin. And that fellowship was broken and God sent His Son to restore that relationship. Not only to restore it, but to give us a new place to live and to dwell called heaven. To dwell with Him. So what must I do? What do I do with this? Some of you are probably thinking, well, I'm already a believer. I've already accepted Jesus. I already have grace in my life. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But can I tell you something? You may be saved, but you may still need to accept His grace. Many times in conversations with born-again believers, including myself at times, I disregard God's grace in who I am and what I am to do. Even as believers, we have to accept that grace and understand that maybe I don't measure up, I didn't do it as good as I wanted, maybe, maybe I've made that mistake, but God's grace is sufficient. We ask for forgiveness and we just accept that grace into our life. 
And we see that happening in verse 11 and verse 13 where, where Mephibosheth eats at David's table. He does that continually. Mephibosheth could have said, you know what, king, I, I appreciate you bringing me to Jerusalem. But I'm just not worthy of the table, so I'm not going to come. You give that food to somebody else. I'm glad that I'm in a new place, but I'm just not good enough to eat from the table. The king would have looked at Mephibosheth and said, But I want you here. I want you here at my table. And that is what God is saying to you today. He wants you at His table, partaking of what He has for you. But I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, or I don't know how I'm going to get out of that. I, I, I just can't fix this, I can't fix that. You know what? Let the king handle that. The king handled it. King David handled him being able to have support and to live. Because the King David sent some servants. God's got some angels ready and waiting to do something for you today. Are you going to be ready and willing to allow Him? Or do you think other people deserve it more than you do? Can I tell you something? Jesus died for every single person equally. He don't look at one and say, well, I'll send an angel to this one, but not that one. He wants to help us all. But we got to be in a place so that he can. We got to say, yes, king, bring the help. And we got to be willing to allow him to do it. And here's what I love. Let's flip it around a little bit and talk about David just for a second. David received an anointing when he was a little boy as a shepherd that one day he would be king. He did great things, and we talk about him killing Goliath. If we could only have the strength and the faith like David. If only we could have the courage like David. Let me tell you what David got. Grace. In, in chapter 7 we saw where, where David actually is praying, you took me from being a shepherd to being a king. David had to go through a lot of stuff. And at any moment David could have said... Enough with this. I'm going to go find something else to do in my life. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being pursued. I'm tired of being attacked and being accused of stuff that I didn't do and wanting to kill me even though I've done nothing. But no, David understood the grace. He accepted God's grace. He waited for God's timing. And you know what he does in chapter 9? He gives God's grace away. He could give it away because he had received it. And so he gave away that undeserved kindness. And let me tell you, it cost David something. It cost him something. It costed him time. It costed him resources. It cost a place at the table. But David was willing to give the kindness away because he had received it. You want a seven-day challenge? Here's your seven-day challenge this week. Give undeserved kindness to someone. And I said undeserved. I'm not talking about being kind to someone who's nice and sweet and kind to you. 
that's easy. For someone who's really nice and kind and sweet. I mean, it's just, oh, you can be nice and kind and sweet back. But this week, when someone is mean and ugly and just absolutely uh, to you, you know what, I'm challenging you to do this. Be kind to them. Because in your ugly of your sin, God extended kindness to you. Grace. Not all of us this week may even have an opportunity to fulfill this seven-day challenge. But if you have the opportunity, extend kindness to the one who's not being very kind. That is taking this word and putting it into your mouth, your hands, and your feet and making it real to the people who never read this. So that's your challenge. But I challenge you today also with this in the moment of invitation. What will you do with this message? How will you respond today? What has God been dealing with your heart about? Have you got to a place where you have felt like I've taken God's grace for granted? Almost to the place where I'm good. I deserve all this good. Be careful. God will pull that rug right out from under that to remind you you don't deserve it. It's only from Him that you're getting it. But today, are you looking for grace? Are you looking for undeserved kindness? Are you looking to sit at the king's table? Are you looking, are you looking to leave the place of nothing? That thing that has identified you as a cripple, that thing that has identified you as someone that just can't measure up. Can I tell you that Jesus thinks you measure up? He stretched His arms as wide as He could for you. He stretched His arms out and died on a cross for you. He did that to extend grace to say that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, you will not be eating at the king's table. You cannot partake from the king's table. You may want to get just crumbs from the king's table and be fine with that, but you don't even get crumbs from the king's table. You'll be cast out into darkness in a place called hell if you do not know Jesus. I don't care if you've been in church uh, 75 years or two years or two months. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not surrendered your life to Him, heaven will not be your home. You need today to make the decision that Jesus is the right way, the one way, the way that I want to go and accept Him. It's not about dressing up, fixing up. It's simply about just accepting what He's already done and asking Him, forgive me and take over my life. You get a brand new dwelling place. You get a brand new uh, restored relationship with God. And you get fellowship with Him like you've never had before. Will you accept Christ today if you never have? And for those of us who have accepted Christ, will you give Him away? Give Him to somebody this week. Tell somebody about Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. 
I thank you for the truth it holds about grace. Father, there are some here today who may not have a relationship with you. And Lord, they may feel like they're useless, like Mephibosheth probably felt. They feel like they've been defined by their past, by their circumstances, maybe even by their actions. But you, oh Lord, you have declared you want them into the king's palace. You want them to have a right relationship with you. Mephibosheth was just a boy who grew into a man. But Lord, because of grace, he got to eat at the king's table. And because of your grace, O oh Lord, we can eat at your table. So we thank you for that, Father. And we praise you for being our God. And we pray today that you will move. Move in our hearts. Move in our minds. And may we do something with this message today, personally. In Jesus' name, amen.